0: This is the 40 Year Coach podcast that asks basketball coaches, do you want to impact your players for four years or for 40 years? What are you doing each day to become a better coach? The 40 Year Coach podcast explores the art and the business of coaching basketball at the collegiate level, which are crucial to your success. This is the 40 Year Coach Podcast. I am Adam Stanko, and I've got some huge shoes to fill, taking over for a man I respect very much, Mark Eisenberg. Today's guest on the 40 Year Coach Podcast is the head coach at Georgia Tech and the ACC Coach of the Year, Josh Passner. Josh, welcome to the 40 Year Coach Podcast.
1: I appreciate you having me on. Uh, uh, Like you said, Mark Eisenberg. uh, a uh, dear friend of mine has done a great has done a great job with with this, and then you taken over, Adam. I know you're going to do just as well. And uh, but you do have big shoes to fill. There's no doubt about that.
0: <laughs> well, well, thank you. Yeah, no I'm, pressure I'm very on you. Bored. Hey, no pre- It's nice.
1: You know, when I took when I took over Memphis, the pressure fell on John Calipari. So it's nice to put it back on someone else now. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's
0: right. That's right. I'm sure Mark will appreciate being c- uh, compared to uh, an all-time great coach. Uh, there you go. I, I, w- I want to get into to your entire career, but, but before we even get into your background, I just want to start off by asking you, what in your mind defines a great coach?
1: You know, I, I've said this, I'll say one uh, before, and jokingly, I've always said a great coach is one that can win a lot of games with with average players. That's a great coach. You know, an average coach can win a lot of games with, with great players, but a great one's win a lot of games with average players. But you know, in in and, and, and most people don't want to be a great coach. They'd rather be an average coach, you know, when you if you could have great players. But in all seriousness, uh, um I, I really think what becomes a great coach, you know, coaching is an interesting word. I mean coaching's really you're you're mentoring, you're an educator, you're teaching, um, you're a teacher is what you are. And so um, you know, sometimes obviously fans and or public and maybe even bosses your bosses can determine you on what's a great coach or successful coach based on wins and losses because you do have a scoreboard um but but the reality of it is is that especially in basketball the game is such a fine line it's a make and miss game and you got to get a lucky here a bounce goes your way there um so i don't know if that Maybe internally defines what a great coach is. Maybe from the outside, it's going to be based a few, on, on wins and losses. But I really think it's 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 more on the impact you make on on your players, student athletes, uh, people that come through the program, and that also includes your assistant coaches, your managers. Um, people that you come across with come across uh with within your time uh so i really think it comes down to the impact uh that you make uh how you treat people um yes like i said it, it, you're, it, this is a wins and losses business and and you can lose your job if you don't win enough um um but but i think the true impact can be held on um, you know the 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 lasting um um imprint of of direction leadership of of advice of guidance that you have given to the young men or women that you're that you're involved with um and that's why you have a great opportunity to do that especially in the college and high school level
0: well i think the big thing that uh people always talk about when when their when your name comes up obviously is that you're known for wanting to be a coach at such a young age and then taking steps and I think that second part is so important taking steps to to reach that goal. You know, it's been reported you want to be a coach since since the 5th grade. What 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 drove you towards coaching at at such a young age if you can recall back to that time?
1: I remember when I was in 5th grade, I was watching the Lakers and Celtics on one of those, you know, national networks on the Saturday afternoon game and and I remember I was watching it, and I said to my father at the time, I remember saying, "Man, I want to stay in the game of basketball." And 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 I always felt if you couldn't play, the next best thing to playing was coaching, because uh, it kept you with that adrenaline rush in a sense. And uh, and listen, I wanted to play in the NBA, and who doesn't? Um, I, I worked hard to try to get there, but I also had some reality set it, you know, set in an early age that I I recognized that, uh, you know. Uh, you know I just wasn't gonna I could work and work and work, which i did i I mean I put all hours and hours daily in my game, just at some point sometimes d n a um and you know catches up to you and so um, is- you just I wasn't gonna be good enough and so I, I figured the next best thing to playing was coaching, and I really put a lot of my energies focus time um even while I was still practicing as a player, even back in all my years as middle school player high school player. Uh, really into into preparing myself as a coach, and so um, you know at 13, at, at age 13, I ran a, a, a scouting service called Josh Pastor Scouting Service. So when we'd be on the on the summer scene, and you know like the 13 under Nationals and all that, all those tournaments, I would instead of going to the mall where the kids were going to the mall, I would be right doing staying at the gym all day and 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 writing scouting services or writing a scouting report and then sending them out to to coaches, and I would do that you know 13, 14, 15, 16, and and I coached. Uh, the Houston Hoops both boys and girls at a young age I was a head coach there which gave me great experience coached great players and uh, I was in charge of um, recruiting them and and team travel and the budget and, and obviously making decisions and I try to run it like a college program and I obviously I continued to when I, I was coaching when I was in high school and then when I even like went to the University of Arizona I was still coaching them and so it gave me a great opportunity to Call timeouts, make decisions. I, I look at some of the mistakes I made, especially with the with the with the girls' teams that I was coaching. Some of the I made some big time mistakes along the way that had helped me today and gave me some good lessons on 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 coaching stuff that I look back on. I wouldn't wouldn't make the same mistakes, and um, so it was a great experience. And I really put a lot of energies and time, like I said, to to focus on that.
0: So, Josh, at that time, and I've. You know, read right back and and again, this is this is known throughout the the coaching community that you'd built up this reputation during during that time. You know, you're coaching the TJ Fords of the world and uh, Emeka Okafor's, uh, and you talked about you know some of the mistakes that you made, but but also there has to be a level of knowledge that 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 you had this thirst for. So, in terms of what you were doing during that time to get yourself prepared as a coach, you know. What books were you reading what other coaches aside from from your dad how were you were you trying to talk to what were you doing to to increase that knowledge level of being a coach while you were actually doing it
1: yeah you know um um <clears throat> what I would tell you is is uh I really try to study the game um i i studied i I watched a lot of um game film in a sense or i would tape games and or watch games or read books and go to clinics and um and then from there a little bit you just kind of have a feel along the way as you go and and um uh you know i you you're even you know i uh, like i said i played and in 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 you know and 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 so you just kind of have a feel. You 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 have a sense of sometimes things what work, what don't work. Um, you're 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 just constantly studying. And and like I remember one, pro one summer or or, or a couple weeks I took and and went down every single you know when Pete Carrill with Princeton I I wrote every single down da- every single action they did. And um, or I took a a a. a um, and, and put it down in a playbook, and or I did another thing where I saw someone else and and, and wrote every try to get every play they ran for that I found on a playbook based on watching tape, and and so that's just kind of what I did, and I enjoyed that, and uh, and I and and I had a and I had a feel about things, you know, because you know you're you're around, and um and I and I tell you, I really I really believe this that that um um there's nothing like moving over six inches, and. And so I'm I'm studying the game I'm learning but but moving over when you're having a chance to be a head coach and me being able to be a head coach at a young age at with with summer basketball and and with the Houston Hoops it was tremendous for me and because I was able to you know because you're dealing with people you can be the greatest X's and O tactician in the world or whatever it may be but you've got to deal with people you're, you're 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 they're not robots and so they're people and there's there's things that are going that that hit them, in, in, in a sense of of uh, you know that come across the mind, and and so me being able to deal with that, understand that, make the mistakes I made. I mean, I look at one time I remember in a in a timeout and with the girls, I was playing at the, we were playing at the University of Houston girls a summer basketball, I was coaching my sister's team. We were really good playing a team, and it was in a tournament, and 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 I called the timeout, and we're we're up or excuse me we're down one and we had we designed a play and and um and we didn't execute the play coming out of the timeout and 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 two of the the girls the young ladies forgot where to go and and they said they didn't in and, and, and what they told me is they didn't understand i was too fast in the timeout in a sense that that i didn't you know emphasize where they needed to be and they forgot or they didn't execute whatever it may have been and i look back at myself and what i did wrong and and i i just wasn't clear enough in the timeout and made sure everyone was on the same page like little things like that i look back and it was a mistake and it cost us a game and and i can look at i can give you a thousand other examples so just even having that experience was was humongous for me and in, in the long run so when i got my opportunity at memphis again it's different of course i understand that but i've been in that situation of dealing with those you know high level you know athletes and 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 coaching them and 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 being in the trenches in the grassroots with them.
0: Well, you, you talk about that that experience in high level athletes and uh, you know you played with a handful of them when you first got to Arizona. I mean, you know that that Miles Simon, Mike Bibby, Michael Dickerson, Jason Terry, that that backcourt alone is I mean, obviously legendary in the in the run that you guys went on in winning that 1997 National Championship. Um, I read a story that at the very first team meeting, you gave a speech to the team. Uh, if that is true, what 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 happened at that very first team meeting with those guys?
1: Well, what? Uh, well, and 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 even going back into high school, um, um, you know, I I had a really good high school coach. He was really sound. Royce Hoosman in, in Kingwood High School was really sound high school coach. And then obviously going to Arizona, having the opportunity to learn from Lou Olson, who's you know in the Hall of Fame and uh, extremely sound fundamental coach, you know. Before I even went to Memphis, but in my first, so what we were, what happened was is is that early it, it was uh, um, we were playing pickup. It was in the evening, and um, and all the the guys for the team were there. The ninety, you know, our our preseason of a ninety seven team. So it was an it was an evening pickup games in at McHale Center where our games were home court is. And anyway, the games kind of ended, and you know you know. Uh, and 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 you know towards the end of the last pickup game or two, it kind of gets raggedy as you know when you when you're playing for a long time, it's they kind of lose some of the intensity and anyway, so the game's ended, guys are ready to kind of um uh head back to the dorm shower and go back to the dorms, wherever it may be. I just kind of was like there, and we're all kind of there, and I just kind of rallied the guys up- and and I, and when I look back at this, I'm thinking, man, am I the biggest idiot? <laughs> what was I thinking like like I would punch myself if I did this again, you know, but I just was there. as says, guys, we can win the national championship this year. We're going to win the national championship this year. And this was at the end of the pickup. They're all right there. But I said, we've got to be the hardest working team in the country. We've got to be in the gym every day. We've got to get extra shots and we've got to shoot. We've got to stay in whatever we got to do. We got to, we got to work. We're, we can win the national championship. And like you said, guys like Miles Simon, Mike Bibby, um, you know, Jason Terry, I can go on. I mean, and I'm thinking to myself, what was that Michael Dickerson? I'm thinking when I look back to do what I did and I was a freshman, uh, you know, I'm su- surprised I didn't get slugged, you know, and, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, to the credit to those guys that, you know, they, they all, you know, miles really, and I'm sure a couple of guys are like, who is this guy? But miles was like, miles Simon was really felt it. And, and, and we, and from that night, we guys started getting in the gym. We, we were in the gym all the time shooting. And I, there's no question I was a leading rebounder in the history of college basketball after that first year. And many times have I rebounded, you know, for the guys. <laughs> but, uh, um, but we, they were in the gym. They worked like crazy. Um, and then, you know, you just – that run of being able to – which I still think to this day is the greatest national championship run that does not get enough credit – we beat three number one seeds. We beat Kansas,
0: mm-hmm. we beat
1: Kentucky, and we beat North Carolina, and it was the greatest run. It was unbelievable. They should do a. They should be doing documentaries on it. Um, it it's it's the best ever of. And, and regardless of what they say the Villanova eighty five or or this team over here or that the greatest NC two A tournament run based on what we had to do to accomplish and our team and everything else was a ninety seven. University of Arizona, Wildcats, national championship team. But after we won the national championship, I remember telling my dad, man, this is easy. We're going to do this every single year. And I remember him telling me, you know, Savior, it's, you know, so hard to do. And obviously, now that I'm in the profession as long as I've been in, um, it's nearly, nearly, nearly almost impossible to accomplish. And to be able to say the .00001% of people to have have won a national championship. I mean, they've been awarding championships since I think 1939 in Division One basketball at the NC2A, and and it's not even 100 years. And with the repeat champions and everything else, you're in such a select elite, mm. you know, company to be able to do that. Is you just don't get you don't take that for granted.
0: Yeah, I, there's no there's no question. And obviously, y- you were in such a great situation, not only with those future pros, but as you mentioned, having Lute Olson as as the head coach. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of uh, Arizona guys on another podcast that I that I do, this Great Point podcast, and Sean Elliott and Matt Muehlbach, and they've talked about what it was like to have Lute Olsen as a coach. But for you, you were there a little later than those guys. Um, you know, and, and Lute is, is a legend, um, no doubt, not just in the Pac-12, but obviously nationally what he's been able to do over the course, of, you know, what he did over the course of his career – what in your mind made Loodles in such a special coach?
1: Well, you know, um, uh, and, and, and obviously guys like Matt mielbach who, who, who played there was a, obviously one of the great players to play at Arizona and Sean Elliott speaks for himself. I mean, the, the success he had not only in college, but obviously in the NBA, um, and they're both obviously extremely, you know, amazing people in, in their own right outside of basketball and what they've accomplished, but, uh. Uh, and so i was probably there in a little different way because more than you know they were more starters and studs i was there as as kind of the walk on guy but but so so for me with coach olson i i really believe this a few things one he does not get the enough credit he deserves um for what he did he literally changed and captivated a city tucson arizona if you think about tucson arizona it, the the it, he, maybe now is a little different because you know, just, but at, for such a long stretch, there, Tucson, Arizona, was strictly known for Arizona basketball, for University of Arizona basketball. You showed on those court, the court that had the cactus logo hmm. on TV. That's what it was known. People. He not only, not only did he singly, single-handedly built a basketball program. He changed the dynamics of a, of a, of a t- total, of an entire athletic department in a school. And on top of that, he changed the entire dynamics of the city. He, I mean, what he did because of the program's success, what it meant to the city, and 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 even to help grow the city, was this. This is an individual that did it, and um, he's as good of a coach as there as there is ever have coached in the game. He is so fundamentally sound. His practices were like a clinic every time you stepped on the floor and had him in a practice situation um he was as awesome of a human being um i mean uh, I, you know he's just he's the best i mean he's the best he never used a curse word um <laughs> he didn't want to you know he 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 he, he never d- used a curse word but he had such command and control of the program of people that he didn't need a curse he 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 was um you didn't want to let him down and uh, he was like a movie star or a rock star when he walked into a a place of uh, like a, a speaking engagement or a room full of people or into a in, a summer basketball recruiting event. I mean, he just he carried himself with that way, and um, God bless him. And 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 obviously, uh, um, and I truly believe this. And there's two things I want to tell you. One is because he built that program from ground zero, but but but. Um, one, I think he's one of the greatest talent evaluators ever, ever, um, to be able to recruit some of the guys he recruited that weren't highly recruited. They were one- or two-star guys, and they end up being their their longtime NBA players. Two, I'm in a rebuild situation here at Georgia Tech, and it's happened to everybody. When you're rebuilding something to take the next step, you've got to get lucky in recruiting. You either got to get that five-star stud who chooses you when it's not cool to take the program to the next level, or you've got to sign that guy that was underneath the radar, not a lot of people knew about him, and all of a sudden ends up becoming like a five-star to take your program to the next level. I think two players did that for Coach Olson. Now, he, he'll he talk about Pete Williams. Originally did that for him at junior college when he got there. But he got, you know, obviously Steve Kerr mm-hmm. speaks for himself on what he's done and when he was a player at Arizona and he wasn't highly recruited. Coach Olson saw him on the last day, kinda of got lucky there, and then Sean Elliott was right in his backyard. And Sean obviously then, you know, with him and Steve Kerr and those guys really took the program and and took it to a new level and, and that's what you gotta get. You gotta get a little lucky in recruiting along the way.
0: Yeah, that famous Steve Kerr story about how uh Coach Olson took his wife to watch Steve Kerr play in the summertime. But he, he
1: actually didn't go watch Steve Kerr. He went to go see somebody else. He just Ugh. happened to see Steve there at, at like the last day in August or, or July recruiting, or he, he was seeing somebody else, and he just happened to like Steve. And the coach told Coach Olson, the high school coach at the time, said he's not he he he's going to he, he you know he can't play at that level. He's not good enough. But Coach liked him because of how his shooting, and yeah. um, and two coaches credit. You know that just his his eye for ability and talent, you know, is just it's the very very best.
0: While well, while we're on that subject, and, and before we get to the to the rest of your um, your remarkable career in your own right, but when you're talking about talent, and you've been a guy throughout your career that's that's recruited some big time players. I mean, you know, in addition to this idea that you knew about being a coach, you wanted to be a coach at a young age. You know, people also associate you with as a guy that can just get out there and and recruit amongst the best of them. So how difficult, I guess, is it for you as a coach to not get caught up in the scouting services and the five-star, you know, the elite guys, the McDonald's All-Americans, to then look at a guy and say, you know what, I actually really like that kid. I know he might not be huge on other people's radars, but I happen to like him. How, How difficult is it to sort of get away from you know, the easy guys that anyone can spot and sometimes select a guy that just fits in with your program?
1: Much easier said than done. That's a great question. It's hard. I mean, who doesn't get seduced by talent? It takes Mm -hmm. great discipline to not get seduced by the talent when the talent maybe is not, you know, it looks great on this talent. Like, I want to go to that five-star, five-star, five-star recruiting rankings, whatever it may be, but you see somebody who Who's not known, and you say, "Man, this kid's really good, and he's actually better than this one." But to take the discipline to take him, uh, to take that individual, or, or recruit that individual, and 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 have total buy-in on it, um, so it takes discipline. And and I and I said this when I got the job here at Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, Adam, I've been I've been fortunate to be. I was at with at Arizona with Lou Olson, and with at Memphis with John Calipari. You know, both guys. I was able to recruit the very, 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 very best players in the country. Not because of Josh Pastner. I was able to recruit those guys because of Lute Olson in the University of Arizona, because of John Calipari in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Not because of me. Now, I, I, you know, I have to work, and you're competing against the other elite programs in the country. But, but I was able. I was fortunate enough. In, in what you're selling is you're selling your boss, and so, um, um, and so it's interesting that when you know, like, I and I obviously. You know, being able to work for two Hall of Famers and Lute Olson and John Calipari, two of the very greatest of all time, um, when you're with them, you're able to recruit the very, very best players and go get the very best, the the five stars the McDonald's All-Americans, the blue chippers. Well, you know, taking over a job like Georgia Tech. Now, when I was at Memphis, we had some unbelievable recruiting classes. I thought I I did a good job on trying to carry the momentum forward on what Coach Calipari had built there at Memphis, and and. Uh, yes, I didn't coach Derek Rose. John Calipari was a head coach. It wasn't Josh, Pe- but I carried that momentum at that time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Say, it, talking mm-hmm. about more about Memphis, and so we had some unbelievable recruiting classes there at Memphis. Here at Georgia Tech, part of the thing that I've talked about in in this major rebuild job, and that we're trying to rebuild the program, um, um, I we've I've had said we've had it. We have to be perfect. Not we can't make not. Okay, near perfect we've got to be perfect on our evaluation skills and our player development those two areas we have to be perfect as we're trying to rebuild this program and 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 that's part of the staff why I hired the staff that I did and so we've got to be perfect on that and and um and that's why on the evaluation seeing somebody who's maybe not being seen by other people that's maybe a 2 3 star guy that ends up being the five star as I mentioned through development, through that character and everything else. If you take the wrong guy and even if he's extremely talented but he's, but, he's, but he's not you know the right character, the right alignment with you, he can beat you every day and really hurt your program. If you miss on a guy at least he can only really beat you two or three times a year. Maybe just once, maybe not. You know what I mean? And so right. it's really important to evaluate those guys that's the right fit that's the right alignment with me or whoever's the head coach at the time. But they've got to be able to see that the evaluation, that through what they have, we can develop them to become a to even a better player.
0: All right. So just to go a little bit deeper on that, you bring up a an unbelievable point about how a guy can basically beat you every day if, if it's the wrong guy. And and I'm not looking for names or to get salacious, but I but I am interested for the young coaches that are listening as to – you know what that looks like within a program because we hear that sometimes you know the idea that oh this it it just wasn't the right fit it didn't work out and the kid may transfer out may not whatever or you know call it you know you being around coaches i'll hear things like oh yeah this guy's driving us crazy whatever what does it look like you know from a player from a coach player standpoint when you have a guy that that isn't the right fit and isn't doing the things you know isn't buying in i guess is the best way to put it well,
1: I think that's part of, you know, really um, locking in and, and trying to understand. I mean, look, I mean, it's it's going to be hard to have 13 choir boys, you know. I mean, that's not always <laughs> realistic. I mean, there's going to be some stuff, and 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 um, uh, because you're with each other um, more than you're with like I'm with my my guys more than I am with my own immediate family. You know what I mean? So right. you're with each other so much. And of course, there's going to be guys who are going to be upset if they don't play enough, or uh, that that's going to be all part of the process. However what as you've as i've evolved as a coach what you recognize is that um you're almost better off taking a little lesser talented player but but who's got high character um who's got that internal drive who's self-motivated who's just has that will and want to play so hard for you and will do what's necessary uh to try to find a way to win because they want to avoid that 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 feeling of that sick feeling of losing—they have such a distaste for losing—they will do what is necessary within the rules mm-hmm. to find a way to win. They're just so self-motivated; they're internally driven. Then compared to maybe a guy who's more talented, where I'm, and this and and listen, I've I've done this, and you get seduced by it, but they just—they're not, you know—they don't fit the, the 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 character mold that's aligned with you, and 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 they you know, they don't have that work ethic. They're not self-motivated. They're not driven. Yes, they 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 look the part. they can do x y and z but 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 there's some entitlement there there's not that appreciation there's there's high entitlement and and uh and so that ela- that sometimes can can bite you know into the work ethic or in the internal drive and and not have that edge and so um and that's where you've that's part of the evaluation and again it's it's way easier said than done i mean who doesn't i mean cuz you have to have ability and talent you've got to have you know it's players great players to win you lots of games but great players when they talk about yes you got to have talent great players are ones who are driven who are internally driven who who are self motivated who are who who want to win because they want to uh, they want to win so bad cuz they don't want to have that sick feeling of losing and and you've got to find that and it's easier said than done um but that's where you've got to get lucky in recruiting Mike Sheshewski at Duke, look at his first three years when he got there. I mean, he'll tell you. I mean, they might have if it was in today's day and age, they he he would have probably been let go, might have been fired. Um um uh, but but he got lucky on a recruiting class, a guy or two turned out to be really and then next thing you know, the program takes off. It's the same thing with Coach Olson. You look at anyone that's built a program or has kind of got an extra step here and there and they've continued to move the ladder, part of it is is a guy or two that I've mentioned. It, you know, in your programs, got you get lucky along the way, and 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 you got to find that right guy, and that's what I'm talking about. Is evaluation process more than the actual recruiting? The evaluation process is now so important.
0: Right. Well, all right. So we we talk about the the recruiting process, and I want to go back to to Memphis for a moment. I mean, you know, so you're you're hired in Memphis as an assistant coach and recruiting coordinator in the for the 2008 2009 season. Um, so. During that time uh, with Coach Cal, uh, what did you learn in terms of not just the recruiting aspect, but also just in terms of how he built a program, especially as it contrasted to what you were so used to with with Coach Olsen?
1: Well, I would tell you, Coach Olsen and Coach Calipari are about as different as they are. There's so many similarities as well, too. I I mean, Coach Calipari uh, he, obviously the recruiting speaks for itself, but 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 he's he's also an amazing basketball coach. I mean, his teams always are such they're so good defensively, and they are great rebounding teams. If you look at his stats from his teams, they're always so good defensively, and they're always a great rebounding team. And wh- and and to me, for, for him to get the level of talent that he's getting. And for them to play so hard, they, what they do defensively, and then obviously on the glass, rebounding-wise, um, it, it's 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 why he's one of the very best to to ever have coached. Uh, I mean, his record speaks for itself. He's also done a great job of evaluating. You know, yes, everyone knows now the the guys he's getting, but but he has evaluated and and ha- and has, um um you know, his evaluation skills, especially at UMass and at. Memphis to to build those programs up. Mm-hmm. Um but 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 uh, you know he's a master. He he here's like I tell people when I was assistant with him, people used to ask me what's it like working for him. I used to tell people the guy that follows him is is a crazy dude. Who would want to follow this guy? <laughs> I mean the success he's having the, the 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 amount of impact he's made in the community I mean I can go on and on and on well I, well that's why I got the job because nobody wanted to be the crazy guy to follow him I was last man standing they had to keep running the program they had to give the job to somebody and so um um but you know he he here's I, I believe this if if it wasn't basketball and and there's only one guy in the country can do this um he could take over any program in America so there's 351 Division One programs right now in, in Division One. He could take over 351, 350, 349, 229, whatever you rank him one to 351, and he would have that program built into a top 25 team. Hands done, hands down, bar none. It wouldn't. You give him any program anywhere of any of the 351 schools, and within time, it'd be built to a top 25 program. He's the very, very best at that. And and he'd be no different if he ran a pizza uh, parlor on the, on somewhere he would, it would he would be an insta- He'd become over time. The business would be so successful. He'd be making millions of dollars running a business for on, on, on selling pizza by the slice guarantee it. And that's just, he's a master business marketer program builder. He gets it. Um, and so it it was great seeing that aspect of it as well too. And so, um, you know, I was blessed and fortunate and, and, I got lucky. I, w- I, I, I skipped steps. I mean, there are guys way more qualified to be the head coach at Memphis or to be the head coach at Georgia Tech than Josh Passner. Way more qualified. I got lucky. I got a break. I was at the University of Arizona. I got a break to be there, and then I got a break to be able to stay on staff and work my way up and be an assistant coach. The only reason I got to be an assistant coach at Memphis was because Coach Olson gave me an opportunity at Arizona, so I skipped steps. And then to get the Memphis job, the I, I would never have been the head coach at Memphis coming from anywhere else. But I was there. I followed Coach Calipari. Nobody wanted it, right place, right time. So I got a door that opened for me. So it was an opportunity. And the reason I get Georgia Tech, the only reason is because I was a head coach at Memphis. And so I'm coaching the ACC, the youngest coach in the ACC before I'm 40. I mean, I I mean you got to I got to pinch myself every day to say that I'm coaching in the ACC. I mean these guys in the league here, I was. I was, I was playing an AAU ball, watch, and these guys, and seeing these guys, and here I am coaching against them. So, you know, you get opportunities, and and, and I'm the first to admit it. I got lucky, I got some breaks, and and there are people who are more deserving, more qualified um, that should be the coach at Georgia Tech, or should have been the coach at Memphis. It just things happen in life, and so uh, I got fortunate, and um, and, then, and then once you get that door that opens for you, or that opportunity, it's on you to take advantage of it.
0: You say that with such humility, but I, I do want to point out that, I mean, and you were the head coach in Memphis at age 31, but I but I do want to point out because I always get into discussions with people about, oh, well, this guy became the president of a corporation at, you know, at such a young age or, you know, he, he was a head coach at a young age. But if you then go back and look, obviously there are other people involved and you pointed out the other people who helped you on on, on your rise. But there's also almost always a level of dedication, passion, uh, work ethic um, that, that is put in and, uh, and also just just being out there. And, and I had read also there was the summer of 1998, you applied for the Clippers head coaching job and you went on to pursue head coaching jobs at Prairie View A&M and Texas Southern. This is while you were at Arizona, um, while in school and visited the campuses uninvited, introducing yourself to the president and AD. Now, that to me is just different than a normal kid. So, yes, you do get the, the, you know, people saying, well, wow, he was such a coach at such a young age. He got great opportunities. But I also think that you deserve a ton of credit as well for putting yourself out there. There is nobody out there who will say that you didn't put in the work or, you know, weren't taking the risks that a a young man at that age was not taking.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that. Well, I, I would say a few things on that. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I always, I, I, you know, I was always a, a visionary. I believed in, in having a vision, and, and even any obstacle. I'm a very positive guy by nature. Um, I don't look at the glass as half full or half empty. I'm, I'm constantly looking as as overflowing. I'm just, <laughs> you know, if uh, people have asked me, uh, you know, if, what's my best trait, and I have thousands that are not good but my probably my best one um uh that maybe trumps all the the ones that I'm not good at uh is that I'm a high energy of positive energy type of human being I just that's just who I am I I I don't take life for granted I don't take any day for granted I don't take anything for granted uh um and so that's just kind of my my dna my makeup and and so part of like what you're saying is yes i mean like even the texas southern or the prairie again when i'm looking back like what am i thinking i mean was i would i've been ready to be a head coach then and but in my mind it's like well, hey like even the clippers i was thinking here you hire me at age 19 think 19 and think about the 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 um the opportunities you need to get a a, a jolt uh you know with within the organization at the time <clears throat> and um and and there have been a lot of you know people watching and looking and seeing because this young guy in the NBA, but have been but but think of that that the the amount of focus on the Clippers, not the Lakers anymore. And I was using that and talking about that. And then from there we we get some players, we start winning, and all of a sudden it becomes the the national story of the year. And and people don't talk about the Lakers anymore; they talk about the Clippers. So, you know, but but part of what you're talking about the work ethic. You know, it's interesting. People ask me all the time about advice. Hey, what can you do to get you know, Coach, what what advice you can give me? And I always tell, them, if I could write a book, the book I'd write is ten chapters, with each chapter being hard work. There are no secrets to it. There are no shortcuts. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's very simple. Simple is powerful. You've got to put the time in. I mean, it's it's why at, when I was at the University of Arizona, I I got my degree in five semesters as a student athlete. I got my master's in. My masters and bachelors in 7 semesters of time with no summer school, no units coming in cuz I was locked in and focused on what I wanted to do and part of like you said you've got to sacrifice and and there's things that you're going to um uh you know focus on and and get done and 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 maybe it doesn't open a door for you at that time but sometimes when you least expect it uh when you don't see it coming a door opens and then but because you've put the time and effort in and have been focused and detailed you know you get a break and um and so I, I I appreciate you saying that, but um you know that, that that's been the biggest thing is is probably just being able to be really, really positive. Um um you know, being a be you know, looking at being the head coach at Memphis and being the head coach at Georgia Tech, looking at it as as really a gift. This is all a gift and, and not taking it um for granted. Again, easier said because a lot of times you're in the you're in a world you get stressed, you're thinking, you know, the, the fear factor or the unknown or what could happen if you don't have the success, but trying to live in the present and, and, and be locked in and, and uh, having a lot of faith about it as well.
0: I, I just heard uh successful British comedian, Jimmy Carr, who's huge internationally, uh, was just giving an interview and they were asking him about uh, guests coming on panel driven shows. And he said he was, just shocked sometimes at the lack of preparation from these guests because he said he always basically looked at it like this is this opportunity this might be my one chance to make a huge mark and all of a sudden this could be what vaults me to the next stage in my career and people come into this just okay i'll just do it and see how it goes without the preparation he says he's always shocked by the lack of preparation from certain people uh when this could be their big break and then of course it leads you to believe you know after the fact you know why didn't they they take that opportunity when it was when it was right there in in front of them um an interesting thing that uh I was also checking out when I was uh, looking at your time during Memphis was, and I came across this quote that you gave to the New York times that it says the following, when we lost the game, I wouldn't go out for seven years because I felt like I'd let the entire city down. And when you win, it was relief. I could finally go outside my house and get dinner. I could actually go to the health club. I'm being serious. This is how I live for seven years because you put the internal pressure on yourself. And in Memphis, they care so much. Um, can you tell me what was behind that, that quote?
1: Yeah, you know what I would what I would I would tell you is a few things. Let me let me let me just say this on on Memphis, and I told you this. I love my time there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, following John Calipari, he his last four years was the greatest run in the history of the NC2A. It was the most wins in a four year period in the history of the NC2A in a four year time period. John Wooden never did it. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski never did it. Bobby Knight never did it. Um, uh, I mean nobody, nobody, and so um um he had won ninety five percent of his games 94, 95 percent of his games almost in those last four years. It was unbelievable, and that's why I told you earlier in this in this podcast that that you know the crazy man following him, and of course, nobody wanted the job, nobody wanted the job uh because they knew what you know what it was, and so I obviously got the job at thirty one and um um and so I understood what i was took I was taken over because I was there as an assistant, and I knew what basketball meant to that city i mean and and i was i mean i'm I'm moving over six inches, and so the pressure the stress and 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 I say pressure basketball pressure, the stress the internal pressure I put on myself um you know we were very successful during that time period in seven years um we won seventy percent of our games fastest ever in the history of Memphis to get to one hundred and fifty wins um You know, in seven years, um, you know, uh, after seven years, 10th in the history of the game of most wins in the first seven years. If I told people those stats at the very first when I got the job, if you could have this after seven years, everybody would have signed up for it. However, because at the time when he left, I mean, you've got to remember, there was a helicopter over his house when he was determining whether he should take the Kentucky job or not. Hell it from the local news stations. Do you, rec- do you know when they do that, that's for hostage negotiations? There's like a there's someone's held up in a home. Not for is the coach going to leave Memphis to go to Kentucky. Right. Right. So that's what I was taking over, that level of scrutiny intensity, and it was probably there was no job harder ever because it, and someone said, well, how about replacing – no, no, no. No job harder ever at that present time because it just started the age of Twitter, social media, where I was under a microscope for 24-7, 365, in that sense at 31, following that guy. And, and especially in Memphis where it's a 50-mile radius. In a 50-mile radius, there's nothing like it, the intensity, the scrutiny of what basketball means to that city. And um, and I, 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 most people probably thought after a year, maybe two, I'd be out, be done and and there's only three coaches I think since 1950 have left on their own without being fired and that was Gene Bartow and um, um, John Calipari and myself and so I mean it's a hard job it's an unbelievable job it's an awesome job but it's not an easy job and then but on top of that following him and um, so I felt the internal pressure and for seven years I, I and 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 it was it was unhealthy on what I was doing on how I was handling each game, uh, extremely unhealthy. And there's no one to blame but myself. I I, I this, these are self-inflicted wounds. And um, you know we'd win a game. It was such a relief. I was like it was like I won the Powerball lottery. Um, uh, like I was so happy. We won the game because if we lost, the sick. Feeling I had that I let the city down, um, the the negative attention that we would bring, um, I, that I just I was like I would go home and sit on this chair in my house and wouldn't leave. Now people didn't I, as positive as I was. People saw this positive guy, but internally it was eating at me. Every game, the the leading up to the game, it was I was so sick to my stomach leading up to the game because i knew the what it meant cuz if we lost the, the 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 next 72 hours of negativity that would that i would internally put on myself and what would happen within the city it, you know would be just would be would be devastating to me and we went and, and so you're leading cuz you want to win so bad and and it didn't matter what the, what what money i was making and or anything else it was what i was just what i put on myself on that and it was very unhealthy and um um, and it was hard, there was no doubt about it and and fortunately, we won a lot more than we lost um but <laughs> but but it but it, it wasn 't easy in a sense of 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 that of those feelings of every single game um that it was literally like life or death in my world, in my mind, in my internal self and 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 those are self-inflicted wounds, and um, and it wasn't healthy. And so I've I'm, I've I've hope that I've gotten better about that. And uh, so, you know, it was in that intensity. It was literally that intensity. And I I can remember times when I would, when I was remembered that it was so I got so unhealthy. I said maybe I need to go check into a hospital and just go. You know, like I had a mental break. Like just I was so exhausted mentally. Because of what I was putting on myself when we lost a game and how I felt, I let so many people down in the negativity and it ate at me. And if I stayed in that realm without improving myself as a human being on how to handle things better, um, I was going down a destructive path, you know, just for my health wise. And um, um, so, you know, at Georgia Tech, I made a, you know, uh, a pact to myself I've got to be better. Now, I'm still far from being better because when we lose, it still eats at me like you wouldn't believe, but I've tried to be better about it, and I'm learning, and I'm getting better, and I've asked for help for people to help me on that, too, along the way, but that's just kind of who I am I in that internal drive.
0: In terms of following a legend, I mean, you had, had grown up in this situation. I mean, looking at your background, almost as if all the way through, you said, well, you know to yourself I should be a head coach I know how to do this you were doing it at such a, a young age and successfully at such a young age and you just kept moving up the ranks um you know okay I can be a head coach I need to be a head coach like you said 19 like hey this would be great for the clippers what have you and and so how much of it when you got the job at Memphis in 2009 was it difficult to sort of establish your own identity I mean you talked about the idea of following Uh, Cal Perry, but I'm just talking about the idea that, you know, yes, you're still recruiting these great players, You're, you're getting this talent. But just in terms of what you did at practice, what you do in the games, when you follow any coach, I guess the question becomes, how difficult is it to sort of create your own identity separate from the identity of the coaches, not just maybe Cal Perry, but everyone else you learn from?
1: You know what I was I was I was sitting I I was fortunate to get this award here in, in, in Atlanta just recently and this uh it was actually the positive uh coach of the year award in the state of Georgia. It was pretty cool and, and but I was sitting next to at this ceremony, I was sitting next to Dan Reeves, the former football coach who coached the Atlanta Falcons and coached the Broncos, uh um and you know, he's been a long time head football coach and we were talking and he had told me I said, What's the number one thing you look back what's the best thing that you that you've learned when you're looking back, he says that, that there's two things that Tom Landry told him when, when he was going into coaching, he says, number one, tell the truth. Cause if you tell the truth, you get you can all, you, that's less things you have to remember. Tell the truth. <laughs> and two, be who you are. You can't, you know, don't be so, you got to be who you are. And I really believe that, 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 and, and I've always, I, I believe as I've gone, as I've gotten older, uh, I think one of the key things in leadership is self-awareness as an, as a leader, you have to be self-aware of your strengths, your weaknesses, and everyone else around you. I think individuals have to have great self-awareness, and so, you know, self-awareness of of um, uh, you, just knowing that who you are, what you're comfortable with, knowing that I can't, I could not be Lute Olson, and nor could I be John Calipari. If I tried to be one of those two, I would have been, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be the head coach of Georgia Tech now. I would probably, I would have been fired and and because I couldn't be them, I have to be Josh Pastner. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't guarantee you're going to have success either because like I've said, you've got to get some breaks and luck and some things go 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 your way, um, but, but you've got to be comfortable with who you are. And sometimes what happens is I think if I did some of the few things I did right at Memphis, I didn't try to be somebody else. I was comfortable in my own skin in a sense that I was going to be Josh Pastner and who I was and the things that I did. I maybe got criticized for it at times, but but I was going to be me, and um, I think that's really important, um, and that's all really comes back to self awareness.
0: When you get to Georgia Tech, um, two thousand sixteen, April two thousand sixteen, um, what are the feelings like for you at that time after all of the, I don't want to say turmoil, but um, stress that you had been under at Memphis. What was that what was that feeling for you like when you finally do get to to a new landscape?
1: You know what I you know what I'm you know the good lord works in mysterious ways and um um you know it's just things happen um and uh, I remember saying after my 7th year at Memphis I was like man I would love an opportunity to a power 5 job a uh, a uh, uh, kind of reset restart but but and taking something over that's a rebuild and 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 by you know months later weeks later whatever it may be you know I have an opportunity to be the head coach of Georgia Tech and I was not the first candidate or choice at Georgia Tech either trust me um there was many other guys I'm sure they wanted however because of the challenge for Georgia Tech which which you know my boss at the time who hired me laid it out I mean this is a major rebuild job. We are hitting the reset button. We're blow, reset button. We're blowing everything up and, and going to look at this as a startup company. You are probably not winning a game your first year in the ACC. You will win probably a total of 20 games over your first two years. This is a this is going to take you know that's why at the time they gave me a six year deal. It's going to be four five six years to really build this to get you knocking on the doorstep to have a chance. And, and 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 so I think people they maybe wanted or originally were like I don't even want to deal with that. Me on the other hand, following what I followed, I was like I would love this opportunity. I because they they needed someone who was ultra positive, ultra positive because you're going to go through long streaks of of losses when you're trying to rebuild this. And um, and and so and I'm an ultra positive guy and I love the challenge and I, I wanted to say man if I could have success. Following John Calipari and and just internally, like if we could do it in a way of trying to sustain and keeping at that level, and then trying to have success, uh, you know, taking something from the ground zero and building it up and and building it back up. I mean, I, what a great what a great challenge to say that I could do it both ways if we can have some success here. And so um, uh, I, I was excited for the challenge. And you know what's interesting, uh, and I, this is probably my most favorite stat and i l- and and it because it's a credit to the young to the players um but in seven years at Memphis, we've never lost three games ever, and um I mean that's hard to do i mean we i, I when you think about having a two game losing streak and in your third game every it's there's upsetness peop- you know you could this or that, but we always found a way to bounce back and win that game and and that's hard to do. But so you're going, and I had a lot of people say, "Man, seven years, you never lost three in a lo- row, but I I said, listen, that's not going I mean that that was at Memphis that's taking this over. I mean, there's a chances you could lose you know, we were picked last place, so maybe you lose 13 in a row, fourteen in a row. I don't know. I mean, there's many chances about that. What was amazing is in this year we' never lost three in a row either. And um so that streak remains alive in eight <laughs> years, and the only two coaches who have not lost three games in a row in the last eight years on college basketball is John Calipari and Josh Pastner, believe it or not. But, um, <laughs> but I, I say that for not having three – it's such a credit to our young men. But I also try to – tell sometimes it's good, you know, just the power of positivity. Um, be able to maybe bounce back a little bit quicker. Yeah, we've probably – I've gotten some – you know, we've gotten breaks. Balls have gone in. Shots have gone in. But we've had some great wins in those times. I mean, we've had two-game losing streak going to play at VCU – we win the game. We had a, At Memphis, we had a two-game losing streak playing on senior day at UConn. You know how hard it is to win on UConn at senior day and we win the game? Or two-game losing streak playing at Gonzaga. How, you know how hard it is to win at Gonzaga? I mean, I could go on and on and on on some of the games. Or we had a two-game losing streak and playing a top 15 team against Cincinnati. I mean, to be able to win that game, it's hard to do. And, and, and I, so I can think about all these different times we've had some We've had some stretches, and and or this year we had to play. We had a two-game losing streak, kind of play Florida State. Um, I mean, you know, and so and we were fortunate to win the game. But all that being said, um, you know, it, it's uh, uh, being able to be here at Georgia Tech is a real blessing. I, I've loved every second of it. We really overachieved this past year. Um, I really had a great time with our guys. You know Brian Gregory and his staff deserve a lot of credit because taking over a lot of times you take over new opportunities and maybe the culture isn't great or anything like that. But Brian Gregory and his staff did such a great job with the culture. I mean they had great kids here, good people. I, they just needed a shot of infusion of energy, of positive, just a shot of energy. And and um, and so I was fortunate. You know I I, I want to give a lot of credit to Brian on 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 and his staff on on, um, you know, leaving a, just an awesome culture. And, and then the players really bought in, and it was just a fun year this year. The next question, I had a lot of people, I had a lot of coaches in the business text me during the year, you're killing yourself, you're winning too many in year one. <laughs> you're, the expectations you've set for yourself now. And it's the truth. You know, I, I, there was an article the other day in a local in a paper in, in the state of Georgia, and it had a column, and it said that I uh, could be, a, in, we're, the me, you know, uh, following John Calipari's success was really hard. This I could be a victim of my own success this past year. You know what I mean? Because people's expectations, but that's all part of it, and and that's uh, that's just part of the the territory.
0: The wild part is that it just seems like you're enjoying things so much. You know, it's you talk about. Yeah, you, you, about- you know,
1: it, you no, know, it's it's, and I didn't probably didn't hit on there. You are talking about the stress part of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I, I, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I've tried to get back to being centered and And the same guy that certain jobs opened up that i said hey i work I just want an opportunity to be a head coach i'll I'll work for free don't pay me don't pay me I'll work for free if I do a good job, then you can pay me afterwards i'll i' don't have to pay me my my first year I, I was that guy back in the day, and so i didn't want to get to where I am here I'm being a head coach, a dream um i mean a total gift i, mean, I even whether it's at Memphis or Georgia Tech." and 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 not stay centered and remember of the you know when you're 20 years old or 15 years old you're dreaming of this and pinch yourself it's a gift and um yes you got to you got to work like crazy you've got to be grinding you've got to be driven you got to be self motivated um you, you there's going to be some but you got and and I think from Memphis I was even though I had such a you know appreciation of everything I just it ate at me and it became so unhealthy that I that I wanted to be able to enjoy the games. I it I was so leading up to the game at Memphis. It was uh, it, the 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 sick feeling in my stomach. I mean I can't explain it. And and then the relief if we won the game, the relief was unreal. It was unreal. And then the loss, it was just so agonizing and it hit you it really got you that next day when you woke up. It was just, you know, and so I'm trying to be better about that here at Georgia Tech. And that's why I've said. I've made a pact to myself and, I'm, and I am back to enjoying it, um, but I'm still far from being perfect in those areas. I, I've still got a lot of work to on my own self to really
0: improve on that. It's no way to live. Uh, I, I, no, I, just I, only, I only have a couple more questions for you. I just, one of them is just on that idea. Yeah. That, that, um you know obviously you you've always been this positive guy um but um you know it seems like that obviously as you were just talking about that this cloud has sort of been lifted and and that you know here you go 8 yeah. and 10 in ACC play and and shock everyone and and yes i know that you know um having success and that to me is major success um for anyone that remembered the expectations for Georgia Tech going into last year but One of the things I always admire about excellent coaches is that they have an ability to adapt to the personnel that they have and change sort of their playing style and even just create this new environment for their team. And, you know, I look at what you did this year and I know you have this sign in your locker room about every possession is precious and and you talk about guys playing with the high motor. Uh, Where did you find the ability this year, the courage, I guess, to sort of switch up maybe how your your team played based upon the personnel that you had.
1: Yeah, I I totally reinvented my myself. You know, I look back at going back to some of earlier talk in the podcast here, just about being self aware. I mean, self awareness, and I really look at some of the self awareness on things that I, yeah, I mean, I did some great things at Memphis. I felt that I I thought I we did well. Um, but I also look back and say, there's some things that I did not do well, uh, that I've got to be better that if I could change and do it over again, or here's some of the reasons maybe why I felt, um, we didn't have even more success. And so really being self-aware on that, um, having great self-awareness, which I really had and going into this year, I really felt that I totally reinvented myself. I, I, I was different. We did things, you know, we played differently than we've ever had on both sides of the ball. and. Um, you know, I've I, I, I've hired great coaches all throughout my career, and I've, I, again, I hired a great staff here, and um, so, you know, it's just all part of the the development, um, the growth process of being a head coach. I'm a better coach today. After eight years than it was when I took over at Memphis, and I and I hope to say the same thing if I'm you know God-willingly in 16 years I'm still a head coach you know to be saying eight years from now I'm a better head coach, and so I want to I felt I've evolved, but I was also very self-aware of the things that I did not do well when I felt when I was the head coach at Memphis and what I needed to do better, and 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 there was little things whether it's X's and O's and strategically, and also things you know uh, uh, other areas as well, and um and so we, I kind of we just you know, kind of reinvented uh, on a lot of things, and and I was very fortunate to have an opportunity and a job to do that in, and and not everyone gets that chance, and and I did, and you know, and 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 they just didn't take it for granted. But going back, you know, it's 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 really about having that appreciation and not entitlement, and 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 I really believe in that, and I really believe in. And you know, I use our saying. I use this a lot at Memphis, and I use it here at Georgia Tech. Really, having an attitude of gratitude, which is which is about having every possession is precious. You know that 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 you're just you're not taking things for granted, and and every possession is that. And so, and and in a motor about because I'm real big on alignment, and that's what motor is. I, people who have a motor, a pep in their step, who are energy givers, who 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 you know are just man, they come across with great positive energy you can you can feel it in their spirit and their soul and their and and you can and you you see it and you feel it and and you touch it like that and 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 I'm just aligned with people like that and that's what I want and that's the alignment I need in my program whether it's my staff whether it's my players the managers support staff they've got to be aligned to me in that they've got to have motors they've got to be energy givers they're real positive energy givers all those things are really important to me
0: the last question for you is You've had a bunch of guys that uh, coached under you now who are now head coaches. Um, I saw a list that included Jason Gardner, Damon Stoudemire, Jack Murphy at Northern Arizona, uh, Luke Walton. Um, what what kind of... Will,
1: Will, Willis Willis Wilson, who is that, who's Wilson. the head coach at Texas a m Corpus Christi, and then actually Glenn Ciprian, who's the head coach of a D-League team in... Uh, uh, with the with the Grizzlies, but go ahead. Yep, I'm with you. <laughs>
0: yes, a remarkable. Listen, I know I know you're proud of of all those guys. I so, yep. What what kind of advice did you give them about starting a program as a head coach and how it's different from being an assistant?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think I think all of us, including myself and all those guys you mentioned, would be a better assistant coach today. Um, then we, now that we've been all head coaches, um, I would have been a better assistant for Coach Olson and for Coach Calipari, and I think all those guys I just mentioned to you would be better assistants for me. Um, um, as you know, now they've been head coaches. Now Willis Wilson has been was a head coach before he came to me, and then he got again he got a head job, but he had a good understanding of being in that chair. Unless you've been in that chair, and you, there's no manual, there's no Blueprint to tell you what it's like, and so because you go from six inches moving over, you go from suggestions to decisions, and every decision you make will 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 you know go in a direction that could shape your career in a sense, and, and your and your professional career, and 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 what it can do, and 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 you don't have a lot of time in this day and age because you know of people's instant gratification, success people want. So I, I told know each and every guy as they as they left and make sure that that one they always did things the right way you know always running the program the right way that that if they were ever going to fire you or let, because of wins and losses let it be wins because of not enough wins and too many losses not because of a compliance issue not because of things that uh against NC2 a rules stuff like that always follow always you know follow the rules that's really really important and i also told them the the, the other the, the, the second thing i always told when they leaving is making sure that Um, um, and again, easier said than done because you don't do it until you're in the midst of it. Um, but to, you know, not take it for granted because it's very, very hard to get a head job. I mean, there's 351 division one jobs. Now you think about it, you know, being a lawyer or being a, a, um, you know, a, uh, money manager or, um, being a doctor or being one those are hard jobs to do. I mean you gotta how much school you gotta go to be a lawyer. Doctors you're saving lives. Money manager you got you're dealing with a lot of stress. But there's a lot but there's a lot of opportunities all throughout the country. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To be a division one head coach there's only three hundred and fifty one. You only have three hundred and fifty one of those. So the percentage to get one of those and the people that would love to be one of those positions, it's point zero 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 one percent and maybe not even, I don't even have enough zeros there. So don't take it for granted and make the most of your opportunity and savior it, work your tail off, have no regrets, uh, do it the right way, but understand that you're in a, such an elite company to be in that position. And so, you know, I've hired great guys and along the way and, and, and they become, a lot of them become head coaches and, and, um, and they've done a great job. A lot of them taking over jobs that you're rebuilding. And, um, um, but, You know, there's nothing like it. There's no blueprint. There's no manual moving six inches over. There's just, uh, it's the best experience is actually the experience you get. And as I tell the guys all the time, I told them this too, I said, there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. And so when you're doing the right thing, meaning just working and working and working and and staying with your vision and staying with your plan and staying locked in, um, things will work itself out. You know, maybe it doesn't work itself out with wins and losses always, but it'll, it 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 will, somehow, some way, some shape or form, will work itself out.
0: Well, it certainly has has for you, Josh. I really appreciate uh, your time today. Congratulations on uh, ACC Coach of the Year honors and um, you know all the success that that you had this year. And uh, but I, I'm so thankful that you uh, came on the podcast and and shared. Uh, this great insight and um, some of these great stories that you had about about your past.
1: Yep. Well, I appreciate you having me on. I Look forward to it and uh, to to, to uh, uh, hearing many more of your podcasts throughout the way of other people you have on, and uh, we'll we'll catch you along the way.
0: You can follow Josh Passner on Twitter at gtjoshpassner. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm Adam Stanko at Smith lives and you can follow this podcast on twitter at 40 year coach that's 40 year coach thank you for listening and remember you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes stitchers and wherever else podcasts are found can't wait to do it again next time and mark thanks again for the opportunity